Hi, everyone. As many of you know, I spoke at the Man Up Conference at Electric City Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York, a few weeks ago. I was there at the invitation of Pastor Anthony Stafford, and I had a great time. Pastor Anthony also asked me to contribute to their church quarterly magazine, which was a real honor. I submitted a piece entitled On Vulnerability. Those of you who have followed me for a while might recognize the title. It was one of my more popular Instagram posts during my first year or so on that platform. But while I had been baptized before I wrote it, I didn't write it for a Christian audience. I wasn't speaking to a Christian audience at that time. However, since then, I've found that the concept of vulnerability is one that Christian men have gotten a triple dose of from pastors, fathers, and culture, where secular men only get it from fathers and culture. This means that the poison of this word vulnerability has soaked deeper into Christian men, rendering them weaker than secular men in general. Now, I believe that the truth of the gospel is healing. It makes us stronger as both men and women. If you're interpreting scripture in a way that makes you weaker, as in assenting to your own self-destruction by vice or culture or shame or manipulation, you're doing Christianity wrong. The Puritans were called physicians of the soul for their commitment to scriptural truth. A physician doesn't make you sicker. At least, they didn't used to. And the same is true of preachers in both senses. A preacher has a profound ability to make people well and to make them sick. A preacher who has absorbed woke ideology, beginning with the feminism that predates him, can make the men of his flock, especially the young men, very, very sick. And that sickness also seeps in slowly by making the point that men need to capitulate to every little need of their woman, and that women are cosmic victims. The logic goes that if Christ laid his life down for his bride, the church, then men should also lay their lives down for their mothers, wives, and girlfriends. But laying our life down can mean physically dying, or it can mean self-sacrifice to the point of weakness. For example, when a man says, I gave my life to the company I worked for, he didn't mean that the company literally killed him, as in stopped his heart. It means he gave his life force energy, his libido, his vitality to help make his company succeed. He didn't die literally, but he died in terms of his presence for life. He gave his life for the company. Now, I suspect that Christian men today do the same with their wives and girlfriends, not to mention their mothers. These men don't die, but they're dead in their vitality, thinking that weakness in that way is strength, when no, it's just weakness. And one of the first ways that weakness is enforced is through the shrieks that men need to be, quote, vulnerable. The word is wrong. The very idea is wrong. And in this essay, I explain why. As I said, I wrote the bones of this essay years ago, but it wasn't for a Christian audience. However, in the ECBC Church Quarterly, I adapted it for a Christian audience and found that my ideas had broad scriptural support, which you're about to hear. So if you have an emotionally crippled Christian man in your life who's struggling to establish boundaries, or if you're that sort of man with the women in your life, and there are many because I used to be one, I hope this essay blesses you. And if you'd like to read the essay and the entire quarterly magazine, there's a link in the show notes where you can do just that. And thanks to Pastor Anthony and the entire team at the Jesus Place for the opportunity to share this with their community and audience. On Vulnerability by Will Spencer. Let's stop using the word vulnerability in relation to men forever. Here's why. The root of the word is from the Latin vulnus or wound. Men are not valued for our woundedness, nor are we valued for our ability to be wounded. Any claim otherwise is driven by a sociopolitical, cultural, and yes, religious environment that aims to keep men weak. First, about that weakness. A man in a vulnerable state 
is a man in a confessional state. He's always prepared to share his innermost thoughts and feelings, sensitive beliefs, and life history, among other things. Sounds good, right? It's not, because it hides a trick. A good man would agree to share these things out of a desire to be understood. Men seek respect. The pitch for vulnerability is appealing because we think if we share the deep motivations for our words and actions, we'll be understood. When I understand a man better, I often end up respecting him more. But this almost never happens with those who demand vulnerability from men. Instead, our vulnerability is used against us. We give from a desire to be understood and appreciated, and we do end up better understood. Then that understanding is used to manipulate us. Maybe this isn't the person's original intention, but the temptation is always there for bad actors, men or women, to take advantage of a man in an open, confessional state. Vulnerability as a virtue is better seen as a constellation of other sub-virtues, each of which are good in themselves and less susceptible to manipulation. I prefer the following terms, which embody traits that men have always been valued for. Insight, courage, wisdom, generosity, perspective, authenticity, self-knowledge, and one more, emotional accessibility. That last term might be unfamiliar. Let's unpack it. Being vulnerable means the ability to be wounded. By contrast, being emotionally accessible means being in a state to access our emotions. Access can be turned on or off. A vulnerability just sits there, waiting. So instead of vulnerable sharing, we can use manly courage to express our authentic self-knowledge. We can offer insight into ourselves from a place of generosity. Or we can give someone our perspectives on joy, pain, and frustration from our emotional accessibility. And when we feel like the person we're talking to isn't honoring our expression as a gift, we can revoke that emotional accessibility as easily as we gave it. Feel the difference? Vulnerability risks putting the other person in control of us. Emotional accessibility puts us in control of ourselves. That's why I don't use the word vulnerable anymore. I stop mid-sentence if I catch myself using it. Some people don't want men in a position of self-ownership. They want men to confess, because then the one hearing the confession can forgive or not. That's power. Well, tough. Emotions are our energy in motion. Either we're in control of that vital source of energy, or someone else is. As we investigate scripture, we see this attitude towards men's emotional self-control reflected throughout God's word. Here are a few examples that you may recognize, but never thought of in this way. Proverbs 29.11 A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Proverbs 25.28 He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. James 1.20 For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But will, you might say, I know verses that contradict those, such as Psalm 6.6, I am weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Genesis 45.2, And Joseph wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. John 11.35, Jesus wept. I was hoping you'd say those. You're so clever and handsome, because they aren't contradictions at all. In fact, between these two sets of verses, we see the essence of emotional accessibility. David is crying out to God for deliverance from his enemies. Joseph is witnessing God's providence in being reunited with his brothers. And Jesus is showing love for his friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus while demonstrating his profound compassion for the human experience of death. 
What we admire about David, Joseph, and Jesus as men is not that they walked around weeping. They knew the appropriate time and place to show sincere emotion. They knew when to share their inner selves, and most importantly, with whom? Friends, brothers, and especially God. Because in the very next chapters, they've gotten back to work. David is calling for the destruction of his enemies in Psalm 7. Joseph has sent a caravan for his father Jacob in Genesis 46. And Jesus is triumphantly going up to Jerusalem to redeem humanity in John 12. This is how men's emotions are woven into the lives and words of Solomon, Paul, James, David, Joseph, and Jesus, some of the greatest men of the Bible. It's not their vulnerability we see. Rather, we witness emotional accessibility paired with their legendary courage, wisdom, generosity, and more. In other words, the qualities that made them heroes. My brothers in Christ, we now get to choose. Will we be vulnerable because some book or Oprah guest told us to? Or will we access our emotions and offer them as a gift to those we love, including the God who gave them to us? I pray our hearts shout the answer. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.